Welcome to the Gateworld Podcast. Welcome everyone to a very special installment of the Gateworld Podcast. This is episode number 142. I'm Darren. I'm David. I'm Diana. And we're delighted to be back. You know, guys, I was looking up uh, our podcast history, and it was almost one year to the day that we had our last show. And I'm so glad to have everybody back today. We got the band back together. How appropriate. How appropriate. Almost a year. We have some big stuff to talk about in this special installment. Obviously, there's big, huge news in the Stargate world that we'll get to in just a moment, but first I want to check in with you guys because I haven't talked to you in a little while. Uh, how are you doing? Diana. Um, we're doing great. It's great to hear both your voices. Um, all sorts of things going on in the Stargate world. I'm actually working on a short story for an anthology that's going to be coming out called Far Horizons and uh, working on other projects as well and now a permanent resident of Texas. <laughs> Unbelievable. Excellent, excellent. What do, you think of, what do you think of Texas? Well, um... I love Houston. I Houston to me is this weird hybrid between Los Angeles and New York City. Yeah. So I love Houston for that. The diversity is amazing. There's trees everywhere. You can the food is exceptional. The people are from all over the world. So I love that about it. Absolutely love it. Cool. So. This anthology, I just heard the announcement about this. This is Fandemonium. Yes, is it right? is. They're it's doing celebrate, their, first, yep, their first Stargate anthology. Yep, it's to celebrate the 10-year anniversary of Fandemonium, which is pretty extraordinary. And Fandemonium is actually going to have a real presence at the Shore Leave convention in August this year. Richard Dean Anderson's going to be there. Uh, and uh, we're going to have four or five of the Fandemonium authors, including Sally Malcolm, the editor, publisher, writer extraordinaire who started the whole thing. So oh, it's cool. going to be fun. Very good. Excellent. David, what's new in your world? I don't know if uh, I, I had announced that I was a, a supervisor with eBay um, the last time that I was on the on the podcast, but that's that happened. That happened about 10 months ago. So that's been keeping me busy. I have a, I have a team of uh, uh, 14 wonderful people, which is about to grow to a team of 18 wonderful people in the, wow. next, uh, the next week or so here. They they keep me busy, man. Um, uh, I'm very blessed, but uh, yeah, that's that's the the chief thing that's going on in my uh, my professional world. I I bought a house uh, last uh, October. Actually moved. Uh, actually got the keys on Halloween. No trick or treaters, thank God. <laughs> um, and uh, been making it, spending the last several months just making it a home. So I'm very very happy. So that's been what's up. Wow, excellent. What about you? Uh, I'm trekking along, or gating along, I guess, if you prefer. (laughs) I'm uh, uh, still living in the Seattle area. I'm getting opportunities to teach more and more, which is incredibly exciting and incredibly fulfilling, having spent so much time in school uh, to finally be out and to be doing what I want to do and doing what I love. I just want to do more of it. I'm trying to get hired somewhere full-time, which would be great. Otherwise, the kids are great. They're, uh, the oldest is uh, ending second grade now, and the youngest is about to turn two. So life wow. is plenty interesting. Wow. The oldest Has, is what, eight? Yeah, eight and a half. Boy, oh boy. How's it feel to be back in the States now and really settled in? 
Oh, I love I love being home. I love uh, being uh, a little bit more settled. We've been home for uh, almost a year and a half now, mm. and um, it's you know when you live outside this country and come back, it's almost sort of a reverse culture shock. You you get to sort of reacclimate yourself to everything uh, that you had sort of left behind for a while. Uh, but I'm really happy to be back. Back in time for big Stargate news. Big Stargate news. But you just got back from TimegateCon, and I want to hear uh, the one-minute right. version of it. Okay. Well, uh, the one-minute. We did a nice little uh, Chad Colvin and I, and David joined us through Google Hangout, did a neat little GateWorld, um, the origins of panel. And we had about 15, 20 people join us, and then a few more filtered in. And it was neat to know so many people that actually listen to the podcast. Uh, there was a great presence there this year for Stargate. Uh, Paul McGillian was the guest from Stargate Atlantis. Mm. Oh, very and cool. And it's, it's their 10-year anniversary, Stargate Atlantis, which is amazing. Uh, the show came on 10 years ago this July. So uh, that was kind of fun. And a great time was held by all. I actually... Uh, I met a whole bunch of my readers, including an eight-year-old, an eight-year-old <laughs> kid who is a bit, awesome. read the first book and demanded that her parents buy the second book. And I just had my chin on the floor, my mouth agape, going, wow, okay. So great time had by all, absolutely. That's so cool. Well, uh, the big news uh, we're looking at, we're coming up on the 20th anniversary of Stargate. In October, when the first feature film was released, we're coming up on, as you said, the 10th anniversary of the start of Atlantis. Mm -hmm. SG-1 is at 17 years right now. And, and October is also going to be the 15th anniversary of GateWorld. Wow. Wow. And in the midst of all that, uh, <laughs> we're looking at uh, the first of a new Stargate feature film trilogy. MGM announced last week. Uh, that it had given a green light to the original creators, the original 1994 feature film. Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich are going to bring Stargate back to the big screen. It's exciting. It actually really is very exciting to hear about this. They've been talking about this for how long, Darren? How, how long have we been writing news stories about, about them, you know, ch chattering about, about this possibility? Yeah, so we've been covering Stargate news for, I guess we've been doing news for 14 out of those 15 years. And it seems like every two or three years, uh, somebody asks Dean Devlin about Stargate. Yeah. And he always has said again and again, it's something we really wanted to, to do more of. MGM decided to make a TV series instead of, of letting them make more movies. Uh, and... They'd, they'd never had any involvement in the TV series. They weren't interested in that. Um, they always wanted to go back to Stargate and sort of fulfill their original vision. Uh, and they always sort of have been talking over these last 15 years uh, that, that this was sort of a real possibility, that this could, even when the TV shows were going on, they said, hey, we could have a, just a different continuity that sort of lived alongside the TV universe, and that would be fine. They've yeah, sort of I not mean... stopped talking about it. Right. I mean, and there's a lot of pros to doing this. At this, If you think about what's happened just in filmmaking in the last 20 years, um, they have up now, uh, Emmerich and Devlin have started a Twitter feed uh, and a Facebook account where they're putting up photos from the original production and they're showing yeah. miniatures, models, all that stuff. And, you know, the first thought I had is, my God, with what's happened in computer-generated imagery in 20 oh, yeah. years... Can you imagine what the kawoosh is going to look like? 
Yeah. I mean, that's that's exciting. I'm excited about what can happen visual effects wise. Also, storytelling in general has more layers to it now. It's not as black and white, bad guys, good guys as it used to be. So yeah. if the story is crafted in such a way, uh, it could be it could be fabulous. I mean, I think their biggest challenge is going to be coming up with an opening weekend where they're not in competition with something like a Marvel movie, for instance. Yeah, or Star Wars. Or Star Wars, yeah, exactly. So that, I, th- I would say, is going to be one of uh, their biggest uh, challenges. I- I'm really curious because none of the press releases or anything that has been stated by either the producer or the director says who's writing this. That's true. So I'm looking at the press release here. We have uh, Dean Devlin is confirmed to produce, which uh, he did with the original. Uh, Roland Emmerich is confirmed to direct. That's an interesting question, seeing as he's directing uh, at least three other movies that we know of uh, are already on his calendar. Yes. The interesting thing is for Uh, Emmerich. It doesn't say who's writing it. Emmerich right now is actually directing something that is not speculative fiction, it's more of a dramatic piece. And that also could be good as far as helping directorial growth, getting him out of the you know the kind of blockbuster type movie mentality. Even if he bring, even if he's coming back to do a blockbuster like Stargate, learning a little more nuance can only help a Stargate movie. But yeah, who is writing this thing? Um, you know, obviously, if I had my dream, it would be Brad Wright. Mm. I don't you know? think they're going to let him near it. I mean, well, M- MGM yeah. might insist, but we'll see. Or at least have him do a pass. I mean, if you don't, this is, a lot of people are trying to compare this whole scenario with the Stargate films to Star Trek. And you can do that to up to a certain point, but then you can't. How much of an alternative universe is this going to be? That's the first question. And then the second question being, will there like in Star Trek, will there be at least some Easter eggs, homages, little homages to fans of the different series? But, you know, in Star Trek, Gene Roddenberry created Star Trek. And his name is on every television series from the franchise and every film, including the G- new Gene Roddenberry, uh, new J.J. Abrams films. Right. Whereas... You know, this was more of the cart came before the horse, so to speak. This is the yeah. film happened. Dean and Roland came first. That's right. So, and, and then Brad, Brad Wright and Jonathan Glesner went off in a different direction, taking that core, that basic concept. But they are the ones who created the uh, Goa'uld, the snake in the stomach, the Jaffa, the Tok'ra, the Tolan. They created all those things on the series. Sam Carter, Teal'c, mm-hmm. you know, those are not M- those are not the original creators of Stargate's creations. But technically, MGM owns the rights to all of it and can hand it over to this director and producer and say, "Here, take what you want." It's it's going to be interesting to see how they how they pick and choose. I mean, you've got one standpoint where where Dean and Roland can just run amok and and create the the story that they originally wanted to create. But it, if you're doing any form of a reboot that still recognizes that which 
came before it, the MGM may insist on saying, okay, we've already established what these beings are in the series. We've already established this and that. Play based on that context. Play in, play in this universe now. Or it may be just, you know, they may just be, you know, taking it from scratch. So that's one of the interesting things that, uh, that I think uh, is uh, going to have to be they're going to have to decide one way or the other which which direction they're going to want to to go, to to create a, a new trilogy based on whatever it is that they wanted, and in the process invalidate seventeen seasons of TV, or find some way to share the the two the two spaces. So it's going to be interesting to see how they want to take it. You know, as a huge Star Trek fan, this was. Um one of the big reasons why J.J. Abrams' 2009 Star Trek movie was so uh, appealing to me as a longtime fan of the canon of the universe was because he deliberately and thoughtfully thought of a way to spin it off of all those series and all those seasons that we knew and we loved. So we had uh, Spock Prime. We had Leonard Nimoy in the film, and I think the, the new Stargate movie needs its Leonard Nimoy uh, even if it's not necessarily an actor or character from the original series. Uh, but what Star Trek did so brilliantly, what, what Abrams managed to do and his writers, was, yeah, we're rebooting the universe, we're altering the timeline, uh, but this is born out of the, the, the time period and the people that we know and love. We're not scrubbing it off of the, off of the celluloid. Yes, you know, the, the press release says the wildly successful Stargate franchise, and you can't help, if you're a fan of the series, thinking, yeah, let's talk about what made it wildly yeah. <laughs> successful. I mean, the film was good. The film but, did okay. Yeah, but it's the series, the multiple series, dude, the series and the books and the, the ancillary rights. I mean, my goodness. So that's what kept it has kept it alive. So... The real question then boils down to, other than the Stargate itself, which is a character, what other characters will be coming into the new movies? And is that even a good idea? Should they maybe just not have a Daniel Jackson and Jack O'Neill? Should they have all new characters? You're not going to get James Spader to come back. He's made that very clear. Well, yeah. he still does movies. He's at least perform, uh, providing the voice on Age of Ultron, if not actually appearing in it, uh, as the lead villain. I think... Potentially, with a big enough paycheck and a small enough role, uh, they could lure him back. I don't know that it's necessary, though. What I imagine this reboot is, is new characters, a new team. Maybe uh, Kurt Russell steps in at the beginning to provide some some continuity. Um, But I think this is a new group of people 20 years later. General O'Neill? That's a possibility. Kurt Russell is General O'Neill. That could be very interesting. That could be. That could be very, but yeah, I I am all for having new characters. Uh, I am curious about how are they going to meet the other? Are they going to have other Egyptian foes? Uh, how are they going to work their version of what has come to be known as the Goa world? I think um, that's the direction that they're going to go. I can't be positive on that. I've known that something was in the works for about um, three months now. I had uh, I have uh, friends in the prop world. About three months ago, they got in touch with me and they said, uh, "Yeah, we just visited this prop this uh, this prop manufacturer, and they have uh, helmets for Stargate made. They have Egyptian themed helmets." 
Hmm. And I said, that's that's not for Stargate. And they're like, trust us, it's for Stargate. I'm like, yeah, whatever, whatever. (laughs) Month month went by. Two months later, come up. Yeah, we went back. The helmets are gone. And oh, by the way, they were for Stargate. I'm like, okay. Mm. I'm going to keep my mouth shut on this one. Interesting. Well, I mean, they had the helmets in the film, in the original film. So that doesn't necessarily imply that the Jaffa are going to be incorporated into it. They're not Jaffa, Diana. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, um, look, at this point, the characters in the series are, have all moved on to other projects or other things in their lives, and they're not going to be able to be brought back in. Uh, listen, from a continuity sake, you have a problem bringing any character in because, for instance, Alexis Cruz, Scara, who mm-hmm. was in the original film and was in, in SG-1, which was a wonderful piece of continuity. Yes, I know they changed the spelling of his name and, and Charvet's name, but it was still who it was. Yep. He dies. The character dies at the end of season six. It's a fabulous death, but he's dead, Jim. <laughs> well, if so, we're in a new, in another universe now, have they he called it a reboot? Come back. It, does the does the um, the press release say it's a reboot? What does it say? Um, What's the, the language that I'm it? looking at here is a new feature film trilogy that reimagines the 1994 Re-ima- it's film. It's a reboot. It's a reboot. So I, I don't even even if you use the word reboot, I'm not sure what uh, that that necessarily means. The same thing to everyone. They're not going to redo the same story from the beginning. I would guess they're not going to have the Stargate discovered in Egypt again. I agree. I think that that would be a huge mistake. I think they have to truly go on. They have to take advantage of what people know, and this is something completely different. It's not a reboot. It's not a reimagined. It's a weird other animal that they'll have to figure out and i hope they have a great writer in how they figure it out and they if they haven't watched the series maybe you know maybe the gate world uh members should put together a list of a couple episodes per season that they (laughs) ought to watch you know if they want to do any easter eggs i mean I am not happy with the two Star Trek films from J.J. Abrams, as you know. But yeah. there were some little homages. There were enough homages in the in the trailer for the first movie that it made me want to go see the first movie. And the second movie I saw, because I'm a completist, um, and really hated it. But here's the real bottom line. This isn't television that we're going into now. It's film. And the industry is a very different industry from how television works. Yes. In television, you have to make the fans happy week after week after week. In film, all you care about is getting them there once en masse, as many as possible, especially in those first few weeks. Yeah. So, so that you can have that blockbuster hit. So J.J. Uh, Abrams, as much as some Star Trek fans just squirm in their seats, furious over what he's done, uh, the movies did boffo at the box office. So that's the bottom line. It's a bottom line business. With mm. Stargate, all MGM Warner Brothers are going to care about is the bottom line box office. That's all they're going to care about. And I really see this uh, when fans are looking at, at this news and responding to it and thinking about what these movies might be like. Uh, fans, we tend to come at this from more of a creative standpoint, right? Not, not in terms of the bottom line. Is this a success if it makes so much money? Uh, fans look at it from the perspective of, is this going to be a creative success? 
Mm-hmm. So those of us who love and are married to those 17 seasons of television, uh, that's a big hill to climb. How can it be a creative success when you ignore what we love? Yeah, I think that's really the biggest concern is, could you please, for us Stargate fans, treat us gently? You know, fans of the television series. And they're everywhere. And yeah. they're still everywhere. Time Gates attendance did great this year. Uh, Shore Leave is putting a lot of focus this year. Shore Leave is one of the oldest and most successful fan-run cons. It's putting a lot of focus into Stargate. Uh, no matter where I go, there are Stargate fans from, uh, you know, from support services to just people of all walks of life. So they still very much exist. The books still sell very, very well. More books are coming out uh, with announcements for even more in the next few months. And uh, to ignore that would be crazy. But on the other hand, you know, J.J. Abrams did an alternative universe. And uh, Pocket Books is still coming out with original Star Trek universe uh, Deep Space Nine, the original series, Next Generation, Voyager books, they're all coming out. They're mm. still coming out all the time. They're doing very well, thank you. So they have not hurt each other. I'm, I'm ready for something new. This idea that if the new version of whatever Stargate comes out with next doesn't reference what came before therefore invalidates what came before i don't agree with um i i have very fond memories of those 17 seasons and they're not going anywhere i can i can pop them in and play them whenever i want right um right. and if if uh, dean and roland and whoever it is that they decide to to write this thing want to do something completely off the wall and different I am on board for it, and I will relish it, and I will enjoy it, and I, I, I find no reason to complain about that because I am a Stargate fan at, at the core. Um, I will watch whatever it is, whatever journey that they want to take me on. Um, it's not, you know, it's not about uh, Jack and Daniel to me. It's not about, you know, it's not about Elizabeth and john shepherd it's it's about it's about that that ring and that portal and that storytelling device and um i'm i'm ready for the next iteration of that if it if it has no connective tissue to whatever came before i'm not going to get upset about that That, well it will have one david and that's the number one character of the entire megillah and that's the stargate that's what i'm saying yeah that's that's exactly what i'm saying exactly and that but that's what fans need to remember is what or actually the better thing is to think about what made you become interested in Stargate in the very first place and that's that sense of wonder of walking through that gate and the fact that our ancient history and mythology might have actually gone down differently than we think it did well, I'm not going to pretend that everyone came on board for the same reason I and mean, a lot of people came on board for Richard Dean Anderson and when he was gone they left um but I mean, yeah. I mean, if if you really want to get down to it, yeah. I think I think that that really propels you know most of us in terms of in terms of what it, I, I'll never forget reading on on Gateworld one time you know when Stargate Universe came out. Oh, there there's no hot guys on the show. I'm not watching. Like, okay, <laughs> all right, whatever. Oh, that's funny. I'm sorry. That's really funny. 
There uh, are, you know, there are different kinds of Stargate fans. If we've learned anything else, uh, uh, running this podcast and doing this website and oh, interacting man. with fandom over the last 15 years, there are a million and one different kinds of Stargate fans yeah. who love different things about the shows, love the shows in different degrees. Uh, and some people have come out already in the last few days and said, if these movies don't have X, Y, Z, it's not Stargate for me. And I'm, I'm mm. not necessarily interested. Or if I'm going to see it, it's going to be as some other thing. Its existence is, here's a new sci-fi movie by Emmerich and Devlin. Yeah. As long as it doesn't have the White House blowing up, I'm okay. Well, no, they got to make that. In fact, that movie has to be made first, the second Independence Day movie, before the Stargate movie. Yeah. So Stargate, the movie, we won't see it at the earliest, until 2017. Uh, even that soon? I thought ID Forever was coming out in 2017. Well, it could be. I mean, Independence Day be. 2 is scheduled for July of 2016. And, oh, we'll uh, see about that. Emmerich is confirmed for uh, uh, ID Forever Part 2, which would be the third Independence Day. What? Yeah. Uh, wow. He's in pre-production on back-to-back sequels. Wow. So if he has to do both of those before he turns to uh, Stargate, at least before Stargate goes into into active shooting, then, yeah, 2017 is maybe even optimistic. Could be. Could be. Um, and as far as production, though, it probably will be in production by then, by 2017. So we'll start to see drips and drabs come in. Yeah. Uh, I would really love to know what the budget for this animal is going to be. That's an interesting question. Now, the original Stargate movie was uh, was pretty modestly budgeted and marketed. It, it came out in October. It wasn't a big summer or Memorial Day blockbuster. Um, it, it its budget at the time was fifty five million dollars. Mm-hmm. It made about two hundred million dollars, um, but it wasn't huge. And and they sort of there's lots of stories of of how they sort of had to cut corners in the production. Mm. Yep. It'll have at least a $100 million budget. It's got to. Oh, these days, sure. Yeah, it's crazy. Just to think, you know, I think back to the very first $100 million movie was Titanic. And uh, I remember how Cameron was just so tickled pink that he's the one who broke the bank on that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I mean, listen, I think, as you said, there are a hundred million ways to love the Stargate franchise. But uh, I think that the Stargate itself is something we all love. And we know that's going to be in the movie. Yeah. Um, it may not even be circular. Oh, I suspect it I will, though. Doubt but that very much. But, that um, is an icon. There's no way that MGM is going to allow that iconic image to not be it. No way. I, I would bet you a hundred bucks on that right here, right now. Darren, you're our witness, and so are all the listeners. <laughs> I won't take that bet. Yeah, it's no, no. too so, iconic. So what we know is uh, Devlin and Emmer created this this franchise. We know this. we've got this two-hour movie. And this was the first chapter in a longer story that they wanted to tell. So I think we can start with the feature film. Now the question is, from that final shot, from the shot where Daniel Jackson is left behind on... Abydos. I don't think Abydos even was was named officially in the movie. No, it was no. called Nagata. Nagata. And, the name uh, of the city. And Jack steps back through the event horizon and says, "Yeah, I think I'm going to be okay." 
that's where they left these characters. So it's interesting to sort of try and rewind our brains as as fans and as commentators on this franchise and think, okay, where could they go now? Where would they go now? Well, it depends. Will it be Daniel and Jack or will it be all new characters that rewind? You know, I mean, the, and will it be happen right after or will it be 20 years later? Yeah, just, it could be a fast forward. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I would love by the third movie is Disclosure. Wouldn't that be nice? That would mm. be freaking awesome. You know, that's the one thing that the franchise never got to. Well, it did, but they would pull it back in any given episode. We'd see how catastrophically bad it went. So, No, I mean um, like real full... Right, I know. Uh, yeah, you have the road not people. taken, which is, you know... Permanent. Yeah. Right. Universe-changing disclosure. This was... Yeah. Uh, evidently, this was Brad's plan for the movie that didn't get filmed. Really? Was I think he was going to do disclosure. Aha! Uh-huh. Which project was that? That was uh, the... I don't think it was the SG-1 film that he originally envisioned that was going to be a Jack story. Uh, I think it was... Uh, when Universe was uh, taking its last breaths. And he was pitching to MGM the idea of a movie that sort of drew together the three the three shows. A feature film or a DVD movie? This would have been a, a DVD movie. Yeah, I mean, we had long you know, arguments about, about Disclosure in the podcast. I think we dedicated an episode to it um, mm-hmm. where, you know, w- once you do that, yep, it definitely solidifies the fact that this isn't our universe. But with President, Hayes, and everything else, you know, it already isn't. Um, so do it. Balls to the walls. Do something yeah. crazy. Yeah, exactly. And, it, you know, and I'd, I'd love to see them explore either Egyptian mythology further or another mythology that the franchise never got around to. Or, you know, or, I mean, just, I mean, if they're going to explore one that was already done, like, for instance, the Norse, be careful. That is a concern of mine. Mm. But, you know, Egyptian, there's, they barely scratch the surface in this television series of what you could do with that. And there are so many other mythologies, too. And it would be fun to see more on that and have huge stakes. The stakes have got to be huge. I mean, it's an Emmerich film. One of the stakes not huge in a Roland <laughs> Emmerich film. So, uh, yeah, it'll, um, I think there's a lot they can do. And, again, I just would like to see just some little homages, just little Easter eggs for those of us who have been fans of the series. I think that would be nice. I'm sure there's going to be something. I mean, even in the new, the new RoboCop, I wouldn't buy that for a dollar. You know, little nods like that make us all in the audience just, just smile a little bit. But hey, why Warner Brothers? Yeah, well, they had a very healthy business relationship on The Hobbit. So they're continuing that relationship. A whole infrastructure has been built up between the two companies. MGM doesn't have the resources. They don't have production. They don't have studios to shoot in. They don't have prop houses. They don't have wardrobe what, houses. What do they have besides titles? MGM, they've got a building. You know, <laughs> that, that's it. They've got it. You know, they don't. They really don't have anything. Over the last several decades, they have been stripping off their resources and selling them left and right. Uh, part of their library, their studio, the whole nine yards. Warner Brothers has fantastic infrastructure as far as physical infrastructure is concerned. 
mm-hmm. uh, and they are strong distributors. So it's just good business sense for them to continue with Warner Brothers if they're happy about the results of The Hobbit. I haven't, even, of... I haven't even seen the second one. <laughs> oh, I just saw it like two days ago. If you're wondering what we're talking about, uh, Warner Brothers is, uh, is partnering with MGM to do this movie. To do, movies, yes. to do the Stargate movies. To do the Stargate movies, the press release indicates that uh, much of MG of uh, Warner Brothers' duties will be in distribution. Now, I think we're taking what each company does really well. So MGM has a good international distribution arm, uh, and they'll use that to do some of the international distribution. Otherwise, Warner Brothers is just better at it. Uh, MGM is what. Two or three years out of bankruptcy now, they've rebuilt themselves very nicely. They're well put together, um, but they have this really recent history of sort of mismanaging themselves into the ground. So I think this is a matter of, of minimizing the risk. Well, if there's anything synonymous with MGM, it's minimizing risk. Yeah, and it's, uh, like I said, all they have is offices at this point. They have none of the infrastructure to do what Warner Brothers can do. They have offices. They have they own properties. Uh, they certainly have people who are involved in distribution. And I'm not sure if it says from that release if Warner Brothers is just domestic distribution or if they're going to be involved in international distribution. And it's not the first time that you'd have a complex deal like that. Speaking mm. of Titanic... Yeah. That was a co-production deal between, I think, Fox and Paramount. Am I right? Or Fox and Sony? There were multiple big. The there were big a lot guns. of people involved with that. Yeah, and they all basically carved up pieces of the distribution. That's how they helped to get their money back. Um, so, but you know, back on the upside, I mean, imagine with how far uh, computer-generated technology has come. What? this could look like oh you can make anything now i mean you can make anything when when the original came out yeah they were so limited in terms of in terms of what they could they could do they shot with models and you know they went out to uh, yuma which i have seen the abedonian dunes numerous mm-hmm. times in my drives to san diego they're blocked <laughs> off you can't walk over there they're they're fenced off but uh it's they they did some amazing stuff. The the number of extras that they got for some of those shots, you know, even though they kept walking off day after day because they were so exhausted, yeah, um, were extraordinary for that yeah. budget. Yeah, and also science itself, physics has. I mean, especially like just in the last six months, with some of the things that have been ascertained in regards to uh, quantum physics and uh, the Big Bang and particles and whatnot. If they can utilize that in how the kawoosh works and how it looks, uh, the potential is enormous. You know, but I just, you know, I keep going back to who is writing this thing. That's what I would really like to I know. I think from from the interviews that, that they've, from the comments that Dean and Roland have made before this announcement, I think it's going to be the two of them, at least for the first pass. You know, it's really mm-hmm. common to for a studio to get a script and then to bring in another writer to do a rewrite or a pass or mm-hmm. contribute in some way, shape, or form. But I really think that it's going to be uh, Dean and Roland to begin with. Well, usually when other writers are brought in, it's at the request of the producer and the director. If the producer and the director are writing it, mm. you may not have that um, that kind of objective step back a half a step yeah. and really look at it. And that's a concern. 
I'll be very yeah. frank. That is a definite concern. It's yeah, good I think to that's have a legit that objectivity. Concern. Yeah, so, um, you know, we'll see. Um, you know, I'm curious as to uh, the characters, I think is my number one curiosity right now. That and the writers. Now, you're right, though. I just looked on IMDb, by the way, and it does have Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich as the writers, but that could be supposition. That could be guessing. It is, yeah, it's guessing at this point. It's not in the press release. Um, yeah. Let me read you something else that the press release does say, and I want to get your uh, both of your take on this. Uh, here's a quote from Jonathan Glickman, president of uh, Motion Picture Group for MGM. He says, For us at MGM, there was no version of us further developing the Stargate franchise without Roland and Dean at the creative helm. Mm. This is their baby, and we cannot wait to bring their re-energized universe to the legions of fans around the world. Well, crush Brad Wright's heart and put it in a box somewhere. Oh, um, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it, that basically says right there exactly what, you know, that their version is, you know, the only thing that they're, that they're interested in this point, or their, their next version of whatever it is that they want to come up with next is... is uh, is what they want. Diana? Well, you know, I'm trying to look up and see if MGM is actually producing any other television series right now. Oh, they and sure are. They are? What are they producing? They're doing the Vikings for the History Channel. Oh, they're sure doing are. And uh, there's a few other scripted dramas, I think, on the uh-huh. slate. Yeah, and they do some reality stuff as well. Um, I'm looking, and they're doing Fargo. I wasn't aware they were involved in Fargo. That's very oh, interesting. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, well, listen, science fiction and television has not been doing very well for a few years, as you know. Um, and I, I suspect that Stargate Universe, it was a rough experience. And uh, After I 17 sus- seasons, you can't blame them. No, 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 no. But television, uh, science fiction, what, what science fiction television is there right now? Defiance is not doing great. Okay. I forgot that that's on. <laughs> I left sci-fi in the dust. <laughs> Still being on the air is, is doing pretty well at this point. <laughs> right. So from a business perspective, they have this property. They know it's wildly successful, to quote them. Okay? The, probably the safest, biggest buck they're going to get for the money is an Emmerich Devlin film, because they, those guys don't do television, really. And uh, just, you know, load it all up front with the idea that that first month is going to be big box office. They're probably trying to chase the Star Trek ta- uh, coattails, yeah. you know, and that's probably why they're saying what they're saying. Could it have been articulated better? Yeah, I think so. You know, I think that it's a little bit of a snub to those fans who feel very strongly about the series, but... I think from a business sense, this probably was the most logical way to go just based off what's happening in television, unless they thought about going to Netflix or Amazon and maybe even had conversations with them. And those guys said, no, thanks. We'll do our own thing. So uh, the big thing right now is fantasy. Rain, Game of Thrones, that kind of stuff. Not sci-fi. So again, just based off of current trends, MGM is trying to rebuild itself i understand why they're wanting to make a film i'm just glad they're wanting to do something oh yeah i knew that stargate was going to come back in some form but i i honestly didn't think it would be this soon i honestly thought it was going to be a little while but it is going to be a little while it's going to be another three years no i understand (laughs) i I was thinking like you know the 2020s 
It could have been a decade before we even heard an announcement. Yeah. Well, from Emmerich and Devlin's point of view, it's been 20 years this October. (laughs) Right? 20-year anniversary. So it's kind of interesting that, uh, I mean, it's kind of neat how all these anniversaries are coinciding. I think it's demonstration that, yes, this really is a wildly successful franchise due to many people's participation. And Mm. I would hope that MGM would remember that in the press releases to come. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, it, gosh, I hope that Emmerich and Devlin really pull the roof off. Just pull it off and go crazy, you know? Yeah, it's it's wildly successful. They're, the press release sort of talks out uh, two sides of its mouth. It says, on the one hand, this is their universe, this is their version, this is re-energized. Uh, and then they talk about the how it's engaged fans for two decades and, and it has this huge worldwide fan base. And let's give credit where credit is due. That huge worldwide fan base is in large measure due to the efforts of people like Brad Wright and Jonathan Glasner and Robert Cooper and Joe, Joe Malazzi yep. and Paul Mully and Richard Dean Anderson. Uh, yep. There's one other anniversary that we that really deserves mention, which is we just last in the last week or two crossed the three-year mark since the end of Stargate Universe. Oh Wow. When uh, the the crew of Destiny went into their stasis to cross between galaxies for an estimated three years, this is about the time they'd be coming out of their stasis. So, <laughs> SGU well, fans, yeah. back on the air. Yeah, SGU fans say, "Well, this is the perfect time. We have a literal three year gap. This is the perfect time to do something else. Make yes. make us a, an SGU movie." Yes, you know, and it's interesting because if you look at like like IO9 and GateWorld and all the websites that have deadline and all the websites that have posted the press release about the film, you have a lot of people expressing concern because of SG1 and SGA, but you have a lot of people on there more than you might think who are saying, "Let's get back to the destiny, please." Let's wake everybody up. Mm-hmm. I got news for you, Diana. Destiny's gone. I have pieces of it in my house. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, well, I mean, I thought, you know, that was, to me, that was a classic example of Brad Wright's ability to heighten my sense of wonder because I still constantly think about where are they, oh, where were they going. I can't. I can't, you know? I can't go there. I can't I know, go there in my head. I'm so butthurt over right. over the the cancellation i still even after three years i can't i can't go to that place i think i'm but you're gonna go to that place anyway <laughs> well i i i well i'm i'm and i'm rash i'm rationalizing why is all i'm doing i think okay. i think it's on hold in my mind because i'm still praying that one day brad will tell us what he was going to do with it and then i can put it to rest yeah in my mind because that yeah. my my feelings it's so ironic, are in suspended animation like, like the crew is. You go, because it was such a... I, I couldn't believe it at the time. You know, that I can't believe that they're canceling the thing. And I was so energized by that show. Mm-hmm. So really, Darren, did you really want to bring that up? <laughs> well, but the not, point maybe being, there's, a, yeah. there's another podcast in there. Yeah, but the point being is that the fans, there's so many different things the fans love. And that whether it's SG1, SGA, or SGU. Right. And, you know, Emmerich and Devlin have a huge mission. And it's going to be fascinating to see where it goes. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how this plays out. Because, of course, at GateWorld, we'll be reporting all along the way on all the little bits and pieces. And casting news and dates and, and images that we can get our hands on. We'll just watch all that unfold over the course of the next three or four years. 
Looking forward to it. It's going to be an interesting You know, what I've been doing is, in addition to trying to figure out how Eli could have survived, uh, I've been thinking, I've been trying to put myself in MGM's headspace. Because remember, I think uh, a lot of fans don't think about the fact that the people who are there now in that building, uh, running the show and calling the shots, are almost to the person not the same people who were there when uh, SGU was on and even when SGU was canceled. Uh, there was massive turnover with the bankruptcy, especially the higher-ups, the people who were making the decisions to do we do a Stargate TV show, do we do a Stargate movie. Uh, those are different people, and so they're, I think by and large they're just making these decisions by the numbers. The TV shows seemed to peter out. Fans, um, fans left or fans shifted to uh, DVR and downloads. And so if you're going to re-energize this franchise... It, it makes sense to me that MGM would decide, okay, let's go big budget feature film. We need to make a big splash in order to re-energize this property. Mm-hmm. Yep. Take it off in a new direction. Go back to the original creators of the original concept, you know. So, yep, I, I would agree. It's just good business. Mm. But, you know, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that they don't uh, care for the franchise. I will tell you from uh, the, the point person at MGM that we deal with on the books... Mm-hmm. You know, they don't remember everything. There are times I have to copy and paste parts of transcripts, thank you, GateWorld, uh, <laughs> uh, into emails to demonstrate why this would happen this way because this happened this way in an episode. But they are careful and they do care about the characters a great deal. Yeah. A great deal. So um, I, I think, you know, there, I don't know what to think other than the fact that at least they're going back to somebody and not going with somebody new, you know, and that's that's a mixed bag too. But Emmerich is known for doing big blockbusters, and you know he might do something absolutely wild with this next one. Yeah, I think it'll be may, very uh, entertaining. He may blow up the Eiffel Tower this time, so we'll see. <laughs> Jeez. Either way, it's going to be a very entertaining film. Exactly. They don't do anything small. By and large, with the exception of Godzilla and a couple of small others, I mean, it's just been one success after another. And, um, you know, if I can't have Brad and Robert at the helm, I want them. Mm. Now, isn't Richard Dean Anderson a stakeholder in MGM? I don't know that. I don't know the answer to that either. I seem to remember reading when the bankruptcy was going down that he was somehow involved and he was a stakeholder. So, uh I'm very curious to see his perspective and all this. And he's, you know, he's out on the contrail. Ask him at Shoreleaf. Yeah, very actively. I I don't know if we'll bump into each other at Shoreleaf. It's a pretty big thing. Clearly, it's big. Uh, There's cons going on everywhere. Shanks is going to them. Tapping is going to cons. So this will definitely provide new energy for the entire franchise. Yeah. You know? Mm. I mean, I will tell you, the day after the announcement came out, out of curiosity, I went on Amazon and I looked at the rankings on my books. They were doing really good for books that came out two and three years. Everything spiked, I imagine. GateWorld's traffic doubled for the day, for the weekend. That's right. That's right. See, there you go. Yep. So it's re-energizing the franchise. That's what it's doing. Now it's in their hands, and we'll have to sit and wait. And, uh, you know, hopefully... We can hear little leaks of information on casting, and uh, you know if they're smart, they'll be doing that. They'll do what Star Wars has been doing, mm-hmm. you know, leaking out different uh, photos and different ca- casting announcements and different uh, 
pre-visualization development work that they're doing to That's keep been deliberate. Bus. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that first cast photo that came out of of the the Star Wars cast. Everyone in the room together. Yeah. In the room. Yeah. At the table cool. reading. Yeah. Exactly. So I think that. Well, I would hope that MGM and Warner Brothers will be smart enough to use social media in the same way to keep us excited for the next few years. Yeah, they've already started. Uh, Dean and Roland are both on Twitter. And as you said, they started this this new Facebook group, uh, Stargate 1994. We'll put a link to it in the show notes uh, with material from the old film, some behind-the-scenes photos that we've never seen. Yeah, there's some um, great stuff in there. Yeah, those guys at least are, are certainly uh, savvy with, with their web presence. So the response I see is the last thing I want to share with you guys uh, before we wrap up. The response that I saw on Twitter the day, uh, the day of and the day after the announcement was uh, there was a bit of optimism. Some of it was, uh, I'd say, probably predominantly negative. Uh, so I was curious what the balance is with Stargate fans. Uh, are, are Stargate fans, fans of the TV universe, sort of overwhelmingly opposed to this idea? So we, uh, we did a poll. I did a poll on GateWorld, and uh, here's what we saw. Will you watch the new Devlin Emmerich Stargate movie? Uh, those who voted, yes, I can't wait, uh, 35%. Those who voted, uh, yes, I'll see it with regrets, 38%. Mm-hmm. Those are the two biggest. Yes, mm-hmm. I'll see it, uh, maybe with regrets, but I'll see it. Uh, that's over 70%. Probably 10%. Uh, those who said no, 9%. And 8% are undecided. What do you guys think of, of the way that this is going to be received by longtime Stargate fans? This is also, you know, in this this poll came out in the heat of the moment. You know, when you have three years to digest this, mm. I, you know, when I was originally hearing about the J.J. Abrams Star Trek, despite the fact that Lost is my favorite television series, said, I'm not interested in the new um, the new Star Trek that came out. I, you know, knew that I was probably going to watch it when it came out on DVD, but I had no interest in supporting in the theaters and anything else. Then the trailer came out Mm. and it was like, oh, I get it now. I was an idiot Um, (laughs) to not not even consider it. And that completely changed it. Uh, One of the things that I think is is kind of a misnomer about about uh, uh, sci-fi fans is that we're extremely closed minded. When I fact, I think in fact it's the opposite. I think I think we're very emotionally invested in these products, mm. and you know, so our first gut reaction may be closed-minded, but at the end of the day, we're a pretty open-minded bunch. And if you show us something that's intelligently uh, uh, written and looks looks to have a great potential, we're going to give it consideration. And I'm sure most of that nine percent will swing, swing around, not necessarily to, to go see it in the theaters, but they'll see it in some form at some point. And you know. It, it's, it's like, it was like with Universe. It's not for everybody. You can only net so many fish. I mean, listen, I am one of those that I don't think regret is the right word. I think trepidation is the word that I would apply to my feelings about seeing it. I'll definitely see it. I'm going to be nervous. I, to be honest, if J.J. Abrams had not done the two Star Trek movies, I wouldn't be as nervous. And how do you like them apples? I didn't like the Star Trek movies, and, but this is not a Star Trek podcast. Um, I will definitely see it. And I'm, are you crazy? Of course I'm going to see it in theater. In an IMAX. Is it going to be 3D? Sure, I'll do the 3D glasses. I'll go all out. I'll see it opening weekend. Are you nuts? Of course I'll see it. I will be nervous. 
I'll be worried. I'll be fascinated. I'll be thrilled. I'll be all those things. And you know, and you might come on the podcast afterwards and complain about it, which is or, fine. That's part of the experience. Or I might love it. I might go, oh my god, that was genius. What they did. That was the only way they could have done it, and they did it. Who knows? Who knows? And that's exciting. It's exciting not to know. You know, we're linear creatures, to quote another Star Trek series. <laughs> we like not knowing. Yeah. So um, I, you know, I am thrilled and nervous. And uh, th- I think that poll is very accurate. I would say David's right, that it w- it's a knee-jerk reaction right now. I would love, once there's been some social media leaks like a year from now, for you to redo the poll exactly mm. worded the same. Uh-huh. You know, and then do it again, like, right before the film comes out. When the trailer comes out, yeah. Yes. That'd be interesting. Compare the information. Very interesting from a historical perspective, because that's one of the greatest things about GateWorld, in my opinion, is the historical perspective that the site and what you guys do provide. provided, Absolutely. So I think you hold on to that that poll, and you do it again. That's a good idea. Do a social, sociological experiment with Stargate fans. Oh, Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, come on. Yeah, I mean, totally. It is a social... GateWorld itself is a sociological experiment. (laughs) I think those numbers are are extremely accurate. I mean, even within an individual. Come on, guys. I know you're super excited, but you have to be a little like, oh, what are they going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. You know. Um, So, But I don't know if the word regret is the right word. You know. Well, I think he meant in in, in terms of the the poll with, with regrets, meaning, you know, I wanted more of what came before in terms of ah. Atlantis or yeah. Universe or SG-1. Right. Well, yeah, I, re- I yeah. regret that it's this and not a I third season of SGU or right. uh, an SG-1 movie. Right. Well, then or you an need Atlantis another movie, yeah. entry with trepidation. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> That's moi. Because I recognize that those other series, are their day is done in the sun. Uh, they'll live forever in my heart. But I just, you know, I, I don't know what he's going to yeah. do with the ghouls or with the Toker or with, you know, with Stargate Command or Homeworld Security or the characters or any of that. And I, I mean, listen, I would love to have his problem. <laughs> you yeah. know, I, I think it's exciting. But yeah, it's, a lot of fans are, are mourning this as the sort of as if it's the final nail in the coffin of, of the TV universe. And, dude, it's um, over. It's been three years. It's done. Yeah. No, but it's you know, we were we were grieving that three years ago, and I think I I made what peace I could with that decision two or three years ago. Yep, yep. I think this is bad. This is the opposite of the last nail in the coffin. It keeps. It gives. It pumps new blood into this franchise. Really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or potentially it can. Let's see how they handle it. That's, you know, that's the let's wait and see. There's definitely a wait and see thing, but you know, it could be great. It's going to be an exciting few years. Um, It's it's got us something to talk about. It's got us energized. You know, Uh, because I don't know about you guys, but in terms of Stargate, I was running on fumes. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because I've been recently rewatching some of the episodes because, um, you know, for the the short story and possible preparation of another project for for Fandomonium, and um, I'm not running on fumes still. I I I I'm sitting down and going, oh yeah, it's been a couple of years since I've watched it, so it's kind of fun mm. to to do it. But 
you know, they're old productions. It's old storytelling techniques. It's old costumes. It's all old everything, and it looks mm-hmm. it. So, like I said, it's going to be cool to see modern production techniques and modern storytelling techniques and modern acting techniques applied to the franchise. Yeah. Now, Stargate is not Star Trek, but we're all Star Trek fans, so I'm going to ask you this. When J.J. When Abrams' movies were announced and, and were coming out, uh, I think a lot of us old-time Trekkers thought, okay, this could be really cool. Star Trek belongs on television. Mm. And I think we've talked about this on this podcast before. Star Trek belongs on television. So if these films are sufficiently successful, then eventually they could help to bring about a new Star Trek television series. Uh, whether it's set in the old universe or this new universe or something else. Um, Stargate is not the same thing because it started with a feature film. It started with Devlin Emmerich's feature film. Do you think that that's a possibility? Uh, that the new Stargate trilogy could result in, in a new Stargate TV series. Unless the, um, the market really changes, I think MGM will have very little interest. Unfortunately, the television model itself is changing so severely right now. We are in a second golden age, a platinum age of TV storytelling in mm. regards to dramatic series, but science fiction is not doing well, as I said. So I think that, uh, you know, at the minimum, a new TV series is seven or eight years away. Mm. And who knows what that model is going to look like by then. Who knows what technology is going to be like by then. They are working on ways to do holographic technology now. Xbox, uh, Microsoft has just filed some patents for uh, a a new version of the Xbox that uses holographic technology. The next time we have a more intimate in-our-house Stargate experience, it may be a holographic one for all we know. Mm. You know, there's no way to know what lies ahead. So for the next... Seven or eight years, we know we have the films, and I would pretty much bet that's it. But the mm. films would help to fund the studios to further development on anything. So the films will have to do well. You know, the only exception to that rule is Buffy. The Buffy film was, didn't do so hot, but for some reason it succeeded, you know, when they pitched it as a television series, they caught on, Fox caught on, and it became a huge hit. Mm-hmm. Became a but phenomenon. It, an absolute phenomena. So, uh, so phenomena was a phenomenal series. So, yeah, mm-hmm. um, like I said, the industry is just changing so much right now. There's no way to even tell you if television is even going to exist in seven years or if something else is going to replace it. So, well, hopefully, I can still watch reruns of The Next Generation using the chip in my brain. Oh, there you go. There you go. For me, it would be Deep Space Nine, but I'm sure at some point Picard and Cisco will get together so you and I can hook up on, and talk while the two cat we watch the two captains duke it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Team Janeway. <laughs> Team Janeway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. All uh, right. Once again, that's a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much to both of you for uh, for getting the band back together for this one. I hope that uh, we'll have lots more Stargate to talk about in the years to come. Yes. Big hope yes. to that, too. I miss the podcast. I would love to do a few more of them here and there. Absolutely. Great. Well, if you've been listening to us and uh, are desperately trying to get your point across, but uh, no matter how loud you shout it, we don't seem to be hearing you, uh, you can come on to GateWorld and uh, shout out your comments or tweet to us at GateWorld, uh, and we'll be watching and we'll be listening. 
Uh, hopefully it'll be a, a great, really exciting road ahead for, for all of fandom. I agree. Indeed. Yes, me too. From GateWorld, I'm Darren. I'm David. And I'm Diana. And we'll see you next time on the GateWorld Podcast.